Welcome to the Munmukti Podcast, where we speak up about South Asian mental health. This week, Munmukti correspondent Apertim Chowdhury hits the road for a conversation with his friend, Dr. Manize Mirza Gruber, a psychiatrist. Apro and Manize met while doing recovery work after Hurricane Harvey and have kept in touch since. In the podcast, Manize shares insights into holistic health, meditation, and simple perspectives to take to start making our lives better right now. We hope you listen, share, and speak up. Hello, Manmukti world. This is Aprathim Chowdhury. Uh, I'm an ambassador with Manmukti, and I have the pleasure of knowing Dr. Manize Mirza Gruber uh, down here in Houston. And we've known each other for about a year. That's correct, Manize? Middle over a year. Yeah. Yeah. 13 time, months. Time flies. Time flies. Yes. Fly. See, we're already in sync. <laughs> So, um, why don't you share a little bit about how we first met? So, for everyone out there, uh, hello from Houston town in Texas. My name is uh, Manise Mirza Gruber, and uh, I'm a psychiatrist in private practice in Houston. I also work in community mental health. But I first met APRO. Uh, following um, Hurricane Harvey's devastation to the Houston area, I actually, half home was flooded as well um, during Hurricane Harvey in August 26 to 2017. And um, the Greater Houston Healing Collaborative came into being and I was selected to receive training with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine starting in December of 2017. And APRO was selected as well. This was a group of about 100 people who were selected to receive training in mind-body skills to help uh, with healing and recovery in the wake of uh, trauma, especially post uh, Harvey. And uh, it was a four-day training and I walked into the training and I looked across the room at, you know, 99 other faces. And being uh, from Karachi, Pakistan myself, I always tend to look at the room and sort of wonder how many people are here from another country or another place. And I saw APRO and we all had our name tags and I looked at his name and I said, Chaudhary, oh, sounds like a familiar name to me. So. In our break, I went up to him and introduced myself. And even though in the breakout sessions we had different groups, um, we got to know each other during those four days. And then the following month, January of 2018, we had our advanced training. And um, I guess a year later, we have become very good friends. Um, I have to say, despite our age difference. Um, I feel that he has been a mentor and a guide. Uh, I wow. hope I have <laughs> been too. Um, Absolutely. But uh, he's been a great friend and we have had many a good time trying out different kinds of chai and tea <laughs> at uh, different places and connecting either at my office or other locations. Then he introduced me to uh, the Man Mukti project. 
and I just think it's fabulous because the more South Asians I reach out to and uh, share my life with as someone who was born and raised in Pakistan, now living in Houston, Texas, uh, would be very meaningful to me. Mm, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And so, with your psychiatry practice, can you share a little bit about how that practice has evolved, what you're focusing on now, um, and how you approach mental health in general? Okay, so I started my practice, uh, actually the seeds of it, um, in May of 2017, and everything came about very quickly, and then of course the hurricane. But I started, I opened my doors in December of 2017. And my, I practice psychiatry the way I live my life, which is a very holistic approach to life and living. Sure. Um, I believe in incorporating mind, body, spirit in my own well-being and care. Mm -hmm. And I do that with um, I don't think about psychiatry as just mental health. Uh, thinking neck up is um, mental health and mm -hmm. neck below is body health and we have right. to dissect the two. Mm -hmm. I feel that the mind and body and the spirit and the soul are all connected mm -hmm. and I bring that philosophy into my practice mm -hmm. um, and I think much more since Harvey mm -hmm. because of its impact on me personally, on my life, on my way of living, seeing so many other people suffer in the wake of Harvey. Sure. And especially through our training that we received. But, yes. Uh, so I do practice conventionally, which is uh, psychotherapy and medications. My practice, I would say, is still 75% psychotherapy much less medication, uh, mm -hmm. just the clientele that I have just have opted that way. Um, sure. I incorporate a lot of complementary alternative approaches if they're applicable and uh, they're all evidence-based um, and especially if the client patient chooses to opt that way and we've you know discussed conventional methods and they prefer something different. We bring that into play and that includes everything from meditation, mm -hmm. yoga, uh, nutrition, physical activity. I'm yoga certified, I'm a marathoner, an ultra marathoner, so I really know about exercise and nutrition and how yeah. it affects the body and the mind. Sure. And so I practice in a very relaxed, unhurried way. Uh, I give them the time that they need. Um, yes. We go over time, but that's okay. Um, uh, We've gone over time. We a few have times. gone over time a few times, many times. Probably go over time today. So, and I have a really beautiful space here in uh, Houston where my office is. Yeah. And um, I think it's very conducive to the way I practice uh, yeah. psychiatry and my life. Sure, you know, every time we get together, I have this feeling that things are slowing down. And uh, for me, that can be a luxury. 
Well, thank you. And how did we start today before we even, <laughs> after we did all this testing, what did we begin with? We yeah. began with our breath. Right. And we each took several slow inhales and long exhales. And I at least had my palms up because I'm always open to the universe. <laughs> of course. Waiting to see what else it drops in my uh, way. Right. And I love being open to the universe. Um, so that's how we started today. And, you know, I, I practice mindfulness. I practice it not just in meditation and yoga. I practice it in my running. I practice it when I do the dishes, when right. I'm cooking. I'm very mindful in practice. Exactly. Is how I and, call it. and so you said that you let your daily life and how you live your life inform your clinical practice. Can you talk a little bit more about how that shows up in your day-to-day -day life? I know you've mentioned you're a marathon runner. Mm -hmm. We're about to come up on the big Chevron marathon. Yes, and uh, uh, I think the site said three hours, 14, no, three days, 14 hours and some seconds. So I think we're down an hour by now. <laughs> yes, it's Sunday. Yes, yes. Um, Sunday, January 20th. So, so what does that look like when you're not running? Uh, how do you, how do you live holistically? And can you share that? Sure. Uh, well, my day begins with waking up pretty early in the mm -hmm. morning. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I begin my day with a nice hot cup of tea. Sure. And then I go for a run, and that's usually somewhere between five, five thirty in the morning. Although wow. this, yes, this morning was at five thirty. Yes. Uh, some days it's earlier than that. Uh, so I begin with a run. Okay. Uh, I come back. Um, I do yoga okay. for anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes. And I do practice yoga at home. And so on your own, no on teacher? My own, right? No, I, I, since the yoga certification, yes. I pretty much have my own practice. I do follow a YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, she's fabulous. Okay. Uh, it's Yoga with Adrian. Yeah, she's and in Austin, Texas. She, yes, yeah. she's absolutely one of the best. Yes. Uh, so I'm advertising her as well <laughs> now, but she's absolutely incredible. And so if it's not with her on a daily basis, then it's certainly my own practice. I take the cues from how I'm feeling that day. Mm -hmm. So within that yoga practice is sure. meditation. Yes. So if I need to do more of the postures, I'll right. focus on that. If I need to do much more of the meditation, exactly. I'll do that. Uh, then I get ready, whether it's going into work or for my family, uh, you know, the breakfast and getting mm -hmm. everything ready for sure. myself, my family, and then Coming into this workspace, yes. um, already mindful mm -hmm. that I have, you know, um, had a very good morning. Yeah, and taking um, care of yourself. And my self-care comes, it has to, because if right. I don't do that, I'm pretty much going to be thinking about it all day. And right. it's harder for me to focus on other people. So once sure. I take care of myself, I'm fully... 110% there for other people. Right. But I have to tell you what I do every single day. Uh, my drive time is about 12 to 15 minutes. Lucky. To come into <laughs> work. So my drive in the morning uh, is, there is no music. Okay. The radio is off. The only thing that's going on is me saying a prayer of loving kindness. Sure. I begin 
my drive with that. I then chant some prayers. Okay. And I sing songs. Sure. And then I arrive at work. Yes. So my vocal cords are very happy. Uh huh. And I'm ready. I'm good to go. Yes. Yeah. That's how my day begins.、Uh, and then at the end of the day, it is you know going back home,、mm -hmm. taking care of home, family,、mm -hmm. and everything else.、Um, I usually have a meditation routine in late in the evening, even if it's five minutes. Yes. I have、yeah. a meditation routine just to quieten down,、mm -hmm. and I write in gratitude journal. Right. To end my day. You know, when I first started meditating, it was very difficult in the beginning because I had this idea of what meditation should look like, or how long I should be meditating, and it's easy to be self-critical in those moments. But I think the big Shift for me was when I realized just the mere act of taking care of yourself,、mm -hmm. regardless of how long, is in itself a victory, and that that victory should be celebrated.、Mm -hmm. I actually do my breathing in a sort of very meditative way when I'm doing the dishes. I、yes. don't use the dishwasher. I never grew up in Pakistan owning a dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. So I still do the dishes by hand. Yes. I do wear gloves now. Yeah.、Um, <laughs> And whilst I'm doing the dishes, I'm just mindful、right. of not just the soap and the water and the temperature,、mm -hmm. but I'm mindful of my breath. Okay. And I'm very into that space、sure. as I'm doing it. Sure. And so I find moments in my day where I I am mindful, and so they sort of just flows, you、mm -hmm. know,、mm -hmm. sort of. It's a very flowy kind of feeling. Absolutely. So, what would you say about the breath for somebody who may not be familiar with maybe a meditative practice or any mind-body practice? You know, why is the breath important? Well, for me, as everyone knows, you know, breath is prana; it's your source energy. Right. But for me personally, so everyone has their different philosophy and thinking, you know. For me, my breath is my anchor. Okay. So every moment when there are thoughts or sounds or sensations that take me away from the essence of who I am, right? And I have that monkey chatter, or、mm -hmm. I get worried, or because yeah, I can、mm -hmm. be a psychiatrist and I can still get worried. <laughs> I can still have. Thoughts about things that, oh gosh, you know,、right. whether it's worrying about the house or post-Harvey recovery, or concerned even about, you know, a patient or my、sure. family or anything else. Even I do get concerned and I do worry, <laughs> and I can have some negative thoughts. Or how is my run? You know, or、right. how am I going to get through the marathon, etc.?、Mm -hmm. What I do is I come into my breath.、Mm -hmm. I let that be my anchor. Sure. So as my breath. You know, rises and falls. Right. I am very much aware of that, anchoring me down. Sure. And centering me. Right. So that is. So I take these slow, deep inhales、mm -hmm. and a very long exhale,、mm -hmm. and I keep repeating them.、Mm -hmm. And when I'm with my breath,、mm -hmm. 
um, which is how I got through Hurricane Harvey um, and everything else since then. I am truly my true self. Yes. Everything clears up. Sure. I'm calm, I feel at peace. Mm -hmm. And even if there is a lot going on, mm -hmm. for that moment in time, I am grounded. Right. And then when I am grounded, I can help, I can move away from that space and take that meaning mm -hmm. outside of that moment mm -hmm. and help with the grounding process wherever I need to be. Sure. Yeah, for me, the breath has been monumental in my own journey and growth. You know, it's a tool in so many different ways. And I think as much as it grounds you, it can also inform you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the body is always sending a message. Absolutely. And Absolutely. That, that awareness of the breath, when, when you lose sight of the breath or when you lose connection to the breath, that's telling you something too. Absolutely. Uh, what I also sort of visually do is I, with my in-breath, I really visualize that breath entering mm -hmm. my body mm -hmm. and I take it to areas that I need right. the breath to go to. Right. And then with my exhale, with my out-breath, mm -hmm. I release. Sure. I release a place of tension, yes. a place of dis-ease, yeah. I release anything that is not of importance in that moment in time. Right. You know, it may be important 10 hours later, but in that moment, if I can right. let it go right. and just stay with where I'm at, mm -hmm. you're right, it's very informative, mm -hmm. it's very releasing, and it's very comforting. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had the through this whole Harvey incident, um, this last one year has been particularly difficult. Um, we lost our almost 14-year-old dog in July of 2018, and uh, it was very sudden, very unexpected, but I remember laying down with her as she took her breaths, and I realized those would be the last ones. And I stayed with her, with her breath, breathing my breath mm. so I could channel her with me and mm -hmm. be knowing she was channeling me yeah and so I know how important sure. that moment was and then uh, in October of 2018 just two and a half months ago uh, I lost my dad and I did exactly the same thing because I was, we were all with him mm. when he took his last breath. And I know how important just that whole mm. um, moment is to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always with my breath. And I, the one thing that it has been magical for is my running. Yes. So whenever I am uncomfortable or even nervous during a run, uh -huh. I come back to my breath. Yeah. I just breathe through the run. That's I have excellent. a cadence that resonates with my breath. Yeah. So 
I'm, I'm hearing that the breath is very important to you. How, how does that look in your practice? You know, when you're working with clients, um, how do you share these practices with them? And do they always uh, find benefit? You know, how do you deal with that? Well, in my private practice, I, depending on uh, how comfortable they are, but mm -hmm. I typically, I inform them that I typically start a session with mm -hmm. an opening meditation. Wow. And it's very, it's about three, four minutes. Yeah. And I don't include it in their time. I sure, just sure. add it to, in the, you know, I still give them their one uh, hour. Yeah. So this is an add-on. So uh -huh. I begin with an opening meditation, which uh -huh. is with the breath. Right. If they are not at ease at that point, then we do it as a closing meditation. Okay. We end the session okay. like that. Um, for, I would say three quarters of them, it is, oh my gosh, Dr. I really, and they call me Dr. MG. I really needed that. Wow. You know, oh my yeah. gosh, this is just what I needed today. Mm -hmm. uh, for some, it's much harder because it's, you know, and then we talk about yes. about are they just trying too hard and then that just goes into wow. another aspect yes. of their lives <laughs> of, you know, then sure. the session just starts off, yeah. you know, where everything just flows from there and whatever it brings up. Uh, but also with those who are experiencing... Um, lot of depression and anxiety yeah. mm -hmm. the skills I've taught them mm -hmm. with uh, sort of different breathing exercises right. that I learned along the way either through my yoga or that I've developed on my own things that worked for me you know, sure. whether it's for monkey mind whether it's yeah. just a calming breath whether mm -hmm. it's a more stimulating breath depending on what's going on with them I've taught them right. how to do some of this mindful breathing. Right. And it really has been effective. Sure. And in community mental health, uh, sometimes uh, when they present very anxious, or actually I would say almost every time, if I am seeing someone uh, who is very anxious, mm -hmm. my first you know, opening with them is, let's just take a breath together. Wow. Let's just do that. Right, you so know? you're not even labeling it as a no. meditation or no. anything? No, no, let's, let's just take a breath. Yeah. How about we just take a moment, let's just, let's just take a breath right. together right. and just, just settle. Yeah. And then we can talk about everything that's sure. bothering you. So, so two things are coming up for me. You've mentioned monkey mind. Uh -huh. um, a few times. Can you explain to the listeners what monkey mind is? Oh, right. Well, for me, monkey mind is just constant chatter. Right. That's just this constant thoughts that are just coming into, right. you know, a person's head. And right. then from there, as I call it, is, you know, someone's thinking one thing and then it just spirals mm -hmm. into, you know, just this huge huge uh, big ball of fire that's just right. going to consume them and one of the analogies i will give to my patients are you know if you look up in the sky right you see this little wispy cloud and it's sure. a clear blue sky and mm -hmm. there's this beautiful wispy cloud and it's just a cloud and it's just floating 
But when you attach that thought to it, it suddenly becomes this, you know, and then hundreds of more thoughts that just spiral. Sure. Uh, that's what I call the monkey mind. Sure. It becomes this large thundercloud. Yes. And the next thing you know it is you have either a hurricane or a tornado. Yeah. You know, and it's just this sort of skyrocketing effect. And right. that's what, to me, monkey mind is. It's just a lot of chatter. Yeah. And before you know it, you've sort of lost context with what the original thought was and what right. you were actually all mm -hmm. about. And it's just spiraled into, mm -hmm. you know, if you label it into anxiety, into sure. concern, into rumination, into yeah. worry. Yeah. And then before you know it, you know, you feel like nothing's going to work. You've lost control. How am I going to get this done? Oh, my gosh. All and, that yeah. kind of spirals. And you lose sight of the clear blue sky Absolutely. that was once there. With the little wispy cloud. Right. It was just a wispy cloud. Right, yes. right. That's what I refer to as, okay. I mean, there are different ways of sure. other people's interpretations yes. yeah. of, you know, but it's that constant noise, background exactly. noise, right. and, you know, thoughts just going right. through the head. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely say I've had monkey yeah. mind. Oh, me too. Yeah. 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 Me too. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, and I think part of the work I do right. is because I know I've come from places of strain and stress and right. I've experienced my own share of trials and tribulations mm -hmm. and struggles. So it's why I'm doing what I'm doing for myself. Right which enables me and allows me to be fully present sure. with whoever is in front of me. Exactly. And that's the purpose, is yeah. to be fully present mm -hmm. with that person mm -hmm. in that moment. That, for right. me, is the essence of the work I do. Yes, and to also share the capacity to others for them to be fully present in their lives, in their relationships. What a gift. Oh. You know, I, I, I just feel, and I know we were at a meeting a little while ago, and I said the same thing, and I just truly feel that if an individual mm -hmm. can feel listened to right. and have that inner feeling that, gosh, this person actually heard what I said, yes. and my gosh, you know, I someone listened to me, they validated me, they care right. about me, mm -hmm. then you feel so much better right. just in that. You know, yes. I mean, it, it just makes such a difference to know that, boy, what I'm saying makes matters to somebody. Right, yeah. You know, I matter. To be witnessed is a luxury almost mm -hmm. nowadays. Um, technology, our hectic lives, there's a lot of obstacles that get in the way to be seen mm -hmm. and to, to bestow that upon somebody is truly an honor um, and it takes work it takes it takes a lot of work to actually yeah. look at a person right make eye contact yes see the body language sure be fully present mm -hmm. to me that is the essence of who i am because right. i want someone mm -hmm. to feel that i am there with them sure you know on their journey mm -hmm. But then it's part of my journey as well. Absolutely. To be fully present with someone else yes. is my journey as well. It's yes. very important to me. 
So that's how I'm learning and growing. Mm -hmm. And for me, that is the bottom line. I don't ever stop learning. Mm. You know, uh, it's really important to me to have that aspect that till my last breath, I will keep learning. And yes. someone is going to be teaching me, even as we sit here now, and I hopefully am teaching them. Yeah. I think that is, that is the journey. Yeah. You know, the Dalai Lama said uh, that we can't change the world all at once. It has to happen one person at a time. And one moment at a time. Exactly. And it's very easy, especially for me, to lose sight of the present moment. Mm -hmm. to get caught up in the future and future responsibilities or to be thinking about the past. But I think when we are present, we can really make a difference in our lives and those around us. Absolutely. And I, one of the things that when, you know, in all of the conversations that we've had, I think what the beauty of that is, is that we are both present, but nothing is scripted. Yeah. You know, it's as we talk today, okay, we're just going with the flow. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, when we met, it's like, oh, okay, we're doing the recording today, uh, but we're just going with the flow. Let's see where this takes us. Exactly. You know, and whether it's, you know, talking more about my work, my background, uh, which I'm happy to do, but it's really just being here right. now with you. Exactly. In this moment. Sure. One thing I would like to know a little bit more about, and I feel that you might be able to talk about it, uh, given your medical background, is what is some of the physiology happening when we are breathing intentionally, when we're doing deep breathing? What's the science behind that? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, the way I explain it uh, to people is that we have uh, our nervous system, sure. our autonomic nervous system. Okay. And we've realized decades ago through mm -hmm. research that it's not autonomous. It's okay. not, it doesn't just function on its own. We don't sure. have to tell it what to do. You know, we're not constantly telling our heart to beat and right. we're not telling ourselves to take a breath, right. but we, can exercise a degree of control over our breath and slowing down and slowing our heart rate and uh, managing our blood pressure all through the breath. And the reason we can do this is that our autonomic nervous system is made up of the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And the simplest way to, for me to maybe explain it is that our parasympathetic nervous system is our relaxation response. Okay. It's like it's the brake in your car. Sure. And your sympathetic response that everyone is familiar with is the <laughs> fight or flight response, right. which is the pedal, the accelerator. And so when the sympathetic response is activated, how does that feel like? Well, when the sympathetic response is activated, that's when you feel that, oh my gosh, my heart is beating fast. Sure. It's almost ready to pop out. Sure. You know, uh, you're feeling tense. Um, mm -hmm. what, what actually physiologically is happening is that since it's um, the fight or flight response, right. evolutionary uh, back then is it was prey or predator. 
Right. So you had to find a way to either escape a threatening situation right. or you had to fight for your life. So all your hands get cold because all the blood vessels leave your hands and uh -huh. everything just goes to the larger muscles of the body so right. that you're ready to take action. Uh, your, you know, your pupils dilate mm -hmm. because you have to see, your heart is racing, mm -hmm. you're not really breathing very exactly. well, you know, right. your breath gets stuck somewhere right. up there in the chest rather right. than the deep belly breath. And that's kind of the opportunity to let the breath inform oh, you, right? Absolutely. And then what happens is that, you know, sweat response um, and your mind feels um, in a tizzy. Yeah. Um, and you know that's what's and what's happening when the sympathetic or your fight flight response or when you have your foot on the pedal is your foot is off the brake right your relaxation response cannot come into play because right. physiologically mm -hmm. it's one or the other exactly and when you take a breath which is one of the best ways to um which is antidote to the fight-flight response mm -hmm. because physiologically when you take this deep belly breath right you activate the vagus nerve yes. and the vagus nerve is this wandering nerve that goes from your belly through your chest to your brain and when it goes to your brain it activates um, areas of the brain that are the antidote to the sympathetic fight-flight sure, sure. and it sort of just calms things down. Right, so the relaxation So the response. relaxation response, when you put your foot on the brake, right. you take your foot off the pedal, mm -hmm. you engage right. with the relaxation response, right. Right. which once you're in the relaxation response, everything just settles down. Absolutely. And the way to engage the relaxation mm -hmm. response is the deep belly breath. Right. It's like breathing in this uh, a deep inhale mm -hmm. uh, from your belly mm -hmm. um, and your belly expands right. as you breathe in right. and as you breathe out or exhale, your belly sinks back in mm -hmm. if you visualize navel to right. spine. Navel, okay. So it's a very deep breath right a belly expands as right. you breathe in and belly contracts as you breathe out mm -hmm. which is almost the opposite of what most people do right so you know we're all told to tuck our tummies in sure you know sure. but in the really deep breath mm -hmm. your belly is at its natural state like with the children right the children are in, you know <laughs> under whatever age five six you know they really are in their natural breath state. Sure, it's soft and it's hanging soft, out. <laughs> soft belly, hanging out, Yeah. no spanks. Right. Uh, no <laughs> no tucking in. Right, right. Uh, just natural. And sure. they're taking that full belly breath uh -huh. that begins in the abdomen and then travels all right. the way up to the chest. Yeah. You know, that's that full deep right. inhale and exhale. Yeah. And that's how the energy is flowing. Sure. Um, but so, we get stuck. Yeah. You know, and, and, and another, when people say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I can't speak in public, mm -hmm. which is one of the number one fears 
uh, to actually speak in public and you notice that sense of you know the yeah. voice getting choked up right. and I can't take a breath right. it's because your sympathetic nervous system your sure. fight-flight response is getting activated uh, and you're sort of putting your foot on the pedal and if you just in that moment go and a few more of those right you'll find that your body just sort of just softens sure everything just softens and the thoughts and the thoughts become less uh, intense right. less bothersome also when you're focusing on your breath mm -hmm. which is when when i say my breath is my anchor sure you can't be thinking yes right and yet what i do in my practice both for myself and with other people i explain to them when i'm leading them through a meditation that please don't think that this is about thoughts not occurring or happening right thoughts are going to happen yes you are going to have hundreds of thoughts come into your head mm -hmm. even as you're taking your breath Mm -hmm. So as I explain it to them, I say, just let the thoughts come. Mm -hmm. Say hello to them. Right. You might even say good morning if it's the morning, or sure. good afternoon, or good <laughs> evening. Just, just acknowledge them. Right. Be kind and gracious with them. Sure. Be kind and compassionate with those thoughts. And then gently let them go. Yes. And bring your focus and your attention back to your breath. Right. And then let your breath be the anchor right. in that moment. So mm -hmm. every time a thought comes in, mm -hmm. I thought, <laughs> glad you're there. Now I'm going to say goodbye. Sure. Come back to your breath. And for 100 thoughts that are going to come in, 101 times you're going to come back to your breath. Yes. It's going to be your anchor. Right. Every thought. Sure. I've had a meditation teacher explain it to me like this, you know, when the thoughts come, let them go. And and also be mindful as not to hold on to them, mm -hmm. right? But also not to push them away. No push, no pull. You yeah. have to acknowledge them because right. otherwise they're going to linger and right. they're going to be bothersome. Right. Just acknowledge them. Yes. Hello. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. But I'm now going to let you go. Right. Let me release you. Mm -hmm. You know, you can even think about it as a balloon and the string. Mm -hmm. Let them come in and then just release the string. Mm -hmm. Let your hand go off the string, just release the balloon. And right. so there'll be, what, 100 balloons in the sky? Exactly. How pretty is that? <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. Well, well thank you for going in into that. Um, you know, I think when people talk about complementary and alternative medicine, it can be a little uh, frightening or maybe too foreign of an approach for those who are only familiar with, you know, contemporary Western mm -hmm. approaches mm -hmm. to uh, dealing with the mind and body. But uh, everything you've told me is very simple and very accessible, you know? It is, and you know, having said that, I'm very aware that there are many people where only the conventional mm -hmm. practice of 
medication and or psychotherapy will work where they're not quite ready for any kind of evidence-based complementary alternative treatments. I can bring them up, but they're just not at that place. And so I just meet whoever I'm working with in whichever avenue I'm working Mm -hmm. with. I will meet with them um, where they're at. Exactly. So, for instance, I'm vegetarian. <laughs> I don't expect everyone else to be vegetarian. Right. Uh, I cook everything. Um, but, you know, so I'm a runner. Yeah. Uh, most people either don't like running or they're happy doing 5Ks. I do a marathon. Right. Uh, that's, what, that's what works for me. Um, I don't like to ski, but some people love to ski. So, although I don't know if I don't like it, I've never tried it. But, um, you know, I have to get over that hump. Uh, Breath will take me there too. Exactly. Uh, But, um, you know, I'm very aware that my, I have to meet people where they're at. It's very collaborative. I have to go where they need to go and what's best for them in that moment. And we can always revisit Mm -hmm. something else. Sure. Uh, that's that's how I, I I always have this open door sure. that we can talk about it all yeah. up front. We just do. We'll talk about it. We'll collaborate. We'll see what's the best thing, treatment-wise, approach-wise, in that moment. Sure. With always the option that we can come back. Yeah. We can revisit. I mean, even in the mind-body skill groups that you and I have led. Right. You know, and we go through that checking in process. There is always that person who will say, I pass. Sure. And we always allow that to happen, Mm -hmm. but we always come back. Right. And say, okay, now do you, now would you like to say or share? And if they don't, I pass. So, you know, it's it's sort of, um, if I particularly don't want to speak or be something or be right. so, doing something in that moment in time I won't want to myself so yeah. I have to be very cognizant that other people might also have some yes. you know hesitancy about sure. something new yes you know something new is challenging mm-hmm. um, yeah. takes a lot of courage yeah well thank you so much Manize for sharing your own personal practice, how that informs your clinical practice, and uh, how we've gotten to know each other. It's been beautiful. It has been, and I um, i have to say this has been um, an amazing journey. I'm so blessed that I can share it with you, uh, share it with people out uh, in the universe, um, and just, you know, share my story, uh, share my approach, um, be willing to listen, learn, and um, very, very grateful yes. that um, through this past year, I have gotten you. You are quite the gift. Thank you, Manisa. Same to you. Thank um, you, Apro. Thanks to Apro and Manize for sharing the conversation with us. And thanks to you, our listeners. It's because of you we tell these stories, and it's your stories we tell. So if you have a story, 
or know someone who does, speak up at monthly.org. Until next time.